Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Welcome to episode 60 of the Victors, a Michigan sports podcast. We are filled with Between the Whistles Detroit, a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mazegan, joined by my co-host as always, Mr. Jordan Dean. Man, well, we're at a bye week for Michigan, coming off a huge win over Sparty, and that that was fun. It's been a long time since we've really given them the brutal beatdown to that extent, so that was that was an enjoying to uh, watch on Saturday night. What do you think, pal? It, re- it really was. I... I- I gave, I guess you and I both gave Michigan State a little too much credit. I guess, you know, we were thinking 38-17 or something like that, and I was not expecting a complete beat down that we did, but we really just came out business, you know, business trip, and we were flying around on both sides of the ball making big-time plays. So it was really, really good to see, and hopefully we can get healthy for any injuries we got through the bye week and then move on and uh, move on to Purdue. Yeah, man, I, I agree. I thought there was definitely some fight on that Spartan sideline, but man, I feel bad for those kids. It's it's it, it's the first time I've watched State like really closely. Like I've obviously tuned into some games, flipped between their their games at times, but man, there's just no life on that sideline. A lot of that's got to do with the coaching staff too. Obviously, you know those guys are not going to be in place next year when they bring in a new guy. Um, obviously, that all started with the Mel Tucker stuff, but yeah. Feel bad for the the uh, MSU players and and fan base. That's just that's a tough situation they're going through. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, since, even since the our game, I, I saw a report today. I believe two or three kids have entered the uh, transfer portal. You know, since then, so it's definitely uh, not a great situation for them. And I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily a Michigan State hater, where you know I want them to go 0 12 every year or something like that. I I think it's great for the state of Michigan to have two strong teams. Uh, so I definitely want them to, you know, improve, get the right coach in place and, you know, be competitive. I want, I want a great game every year. And obviously I want to win that game. I'm fine with them, you know, being 10 and two every year, just, you know, not winning a bunch of championships or whatever, but I don't want them to struggle as, as much as they are. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's best for the state. It's good for college ball in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we want Michigan on top, but it's nice when, it's competitive. It's you know, it, it was awesome two years ago when they both met as what were they both seven and zero at the time? I think or whatever it was. Or yep, seven yep. one, whatever top it was, five, or top ten teams. Yeah, yep. I mean that that was awesome because just the build up to it um, and everything. It was all, like this. We talked about in the last episode. Like this week, it was just like man, it doesn't really feel like rivalry. Like no one's talking about it. Like obviously, we knew it was likely going to be a blowout, but it was like. There's just no juice, and it's not fun when there's no juice. Like you want it to be at least respectable and fun, right? And fortunately, we didn't get that this year. Um, you know, we'll see who state ends up hiring here. I'm sure that'll come shortly after the season. I'm sure they're working on it, you know, already, sort of thing. But uh, you know, once once we find out who they hire and what kind of stuff like that, we'll have a uh, better picture of you know what we can expect moving forward over the next couple of years with them. But um, you know, we'll get to a little more detail on the state game in a little bit later in the episode. Uh, just kind of go over uh, a little bit more of the individual performances and things like that, like we normally do. Um, but obviously, uh, and of course, as it always works out, the Michigan um, allegations that came out about illegal scouting and you know sign stealing uh, came out hours after we record our last episode. So that was great timing. Um, but 
let's talk about that stuff first. Um, obviously, Michigan's in hot water again. Uh, the, the new set of allegations, this is unrelated to earlier this year um, with the you know COVID recruiting violations that Harbaugh got uh, a self-imposed uh, three-game suspension from the university for. Um, you know, we, we went into detail about that before. This is separate, right? Michigan, um, you know, NCAA received evidence um, of Michigan, uh, you know, allegedly illegally scouting and then, you know, while illegally scouting, illegally stealing signs. So let's kind of just break it down because there's a lot of different, I'm not going to say storylines out there, but a lot of a lot of information out there. Some of it's not, you know, some of it's obviously accurate. There's a lot of things that are kind of getting twisted right now. Um, I want to do our best to break it down um, and keep, try our best to keep, you know, stay, stay down the middle, right? I get it's a Michigan podcast. Um, we obviously don't want the school to be in trouble and things like that. But me and Jordan, um, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about this all week. Uh, we both definitely agree if Michigan committed uh, violations or, you know, illegally broke rules, they should be punished as such. I would, you know, we, we both agree with that, obviously. Um, so to kind of just break out the timeline of what we know and things like that, October 19th is when the uh, Yahoo uh, sports broke the story that the NCAA was investigating the Wolverines for allegedly violating rules out, uh, outlawing teams from scouting future opponents in person. That same day, the Big Ten notified all of Michigan's opponents, uh, future opponents of these allegations and recommended changing play call signs due to the pen- potential uh, stolen signs that Michigan had acquired from allegedly doing this. Uh, Michigan staffer uh, Connor Stallions became a name of interest over the weekend, uh, you know, going uh, into Saturday uh, on game day last week. As a leader of this, what the athletic called a vast scouting network in their uh, report and the athletic noted that these allegations date back to 2021. So that was through the weekend. Monday ESPN reported that Michigan staffer uh, Connor Stallions purchased tickets to more than 30 games um, by 11 different Big Ten opponents. Further sources within the report allege that people in the ticketed seats across the, uh, from the sidelines of opponents near the 45-yard line recorded video of these teams play calling uh, of these teams play call uh, signs. Um, this included unused tickets this to this past weekend's Penn State and Ohio State game. So evidence, you know, obviously came out that Stallions, person of interest, they found out that he's the one buying these tickets to these games have been doing this for a couple of years now. Basically, there's two rules that are in question, or two rules that he uh, allegedly violated. And to read those pervadum, so I don't make any mistakes on them, I'll read this from uh, an article. These are, <clears throat> sorry, first, scouting games in person is illegal under NCAA bylaw 11.6.1. The exact text of the rules prohibits off-campus in-person scouting of future opponents in the same season. Second, uh, recording video of opponents other uh, other games is banned by Section 4, Article 11, Subsection H of the NCAA rulebook, which states any attempt to record either through audio or video means any signals given by opposing player, coach, or other team uh, personnel is prohibited. So kind of what we're getting at here is obviously it looks like, you know, without a doubt by the evidence that is 
the NCAA allegedly has, you know, Michigan, obviously, it sounds like they broke the scouting, you know, rule that was put into place in 1994. There's a little bit of a gray area with the video recording. We can get that in a second. Um, but night of recording, it's Wednesday, October 25th. Um, this evening, the Washington Post broke a story of evidence of um, from a Michigan computer basically outlining uh, the scheme. They didn't say it was Stallion's computer in the article directly, but they did say they got a hold of a Michigan computer hard drive, which had an outline of the scheme and schedule for Michigan scouts to go to opposing games this season, um, which included Big Ten opponents. I think eight Ohio State games were on there. Um, there were a few non-conference opponents, such as Georgia, um, you know, with the potential of meeting them in the playoffs. And this was, um, you know, it, it showed that it was basically a $15,000, you know, endeavor or fund for these scouts to go to these games. Um, and basically what is put into question here is, you know, there's been debate, is Stallion's working alone, kind of gone rogue, is he working with people? Public record shows Stallion's is making $55,000 a year at the University of Michigan in his role, you know, kind of put together with $15,000 on this. It suggests the investigators of this independent firm suggest that he is not working alone. However, it's important to note that there is no direct um, uh, evidence showing that Harbaugh knew of this. So really, and we'll get your thoughts here in a second, Jordan, really what this comes down to for me is by what we know now and the sounds of it is there obviously can be some potential punishment for scouting future opponents and the video stuff. I think the major crime or the major punishment's going to come based on where this money trail leads, right? The money trail is going to tell all. Who was funding this this operation that Stallions was kind of leading, you know, in charge of? Based on who that might trail back to, I think is what's going to really uh, you know, decide if this is going to get, you know, a, a big punishment or not. Cause you're, you're hearing different things from, you know, different, you know, writers, things like that. Like Dan Wetzel of Yahoo sports, I believe he thinks this is, and, and this was an interview yesterday. So this was before the Washington post broke, but he, he was, he was on 97, the tick on the Carson Anderson show. Obviously Doug Carson is the voice of Michigan football, um, on the radio. And he talked about how he thinks, you know, Michigan could potentially, you know, a little bit more than a slap on the wrist. But he really felt like the two most damaging parts of this that can come out of this is one, the public perception, which obviously started as soon as this, you know, broke as a thing. And, you know, Michigan's getting hammered for it. The whole, you know, the season last season could be an asterisk sort of thing if found true. Two is Jim Harbaugh doesn't stick around for another season at Michigan. He will go to the NFL or he will, you know, retire, you know, quotations from college football. Um, you know, with everything you know, you know, where, where do you kind of stand right now? What's your thoughts? We'll get into a couple more things here shortly, but obviously I want to give you a chance to share your thoughts and opinions on the timeline I kind of just shared. Um, so I'll take the floor. Oh, it's a lot of information, Chad. It's so much information. <laughs> um, so much information. And so, all right. As you mentioned, you know, I, I do think you and I are, you know, more on the objective side of Michigan football, whether it's the 
crazy people out there that uh, in the fan base that you know are support no matter what, and I don't care what they say, you know, and it's just just all about emotion and not actual factual data. Now, I still think there's a lot in the air in the gray areas that, that still needs to be figured out. Is it dis- is it disappointing that you know this is our current situation with having such a great year and that these are over the head of the university? Yes, I I, I think even if at the end of the day we find out that you know they don't get fined or whatever it is, you know allegations don't happen or or come through with it, that, that this is still part of the season that taints the year. That kind of sucks because to Karsh's point, it just the the, the the purity of Michigan football, or whatever you want to call it, the you know, is forever gone. Um, just because people always hold that over our heads. I think as of right now, I, I have two things. We've talked about the in-person scouting stuff. This vast network is still unproven as far as we don't know who these people are. Michigan has nothing to stand on if these are Michigan personnel people. It's, it's done, end of story. We, we're, we're getting fined. We're losing stuff. It's, we're, we're in big trouble. If, if these are people like you and I that are, you know, Stallions nose and, you know, and he bought these tickets for these people and they go to the games and they provide information, to me, that's, the great, that's a great area because it's not Michigan personnel. They're not coming – they're not on the staff. They're not making money from Michigan because um, if, if, if Stallions paid them, did this himself, bought all these – you know, I know he's making only 55 grand a year, 15 grand is a lot of money. I think you and I on the same page there's probably – some more to this. I also think some boosters are probably involved. But once again, boosters are not, by definition, part of the Michigan community on salary or getting paid by Michigan. It's, it's just a network that they're part of. So there's still a lot to figure out there. Um, if that's the case, man, with these two situations, I think, once again, Harbaugh has found, you know, or his staff has found loopholes within the system that's established. This is kind of one of those rules. It seems like that, like it's the unspoken, "Hey, don't do this," even though it's not in writing. Kind of just like the, you know, those, what do you want to call it, the unspoken rules, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and Harbaugh and his staff have pushed boundaries in the past with satellite camps and how he's gone about things in that area and made and made the NCAA put in writing these changes so therefore these could those type of things couldn't happen moving forward and I look at the exact same thing here because I don't know man based on uh you know how specifically this goes down it, it is very possible in my opinion that we could walk away unscathed from this and it just doesn't look good and makes an NCAA work to redefine this rule of uh, these rules that have been in place since the 90s uh to you know make it more definitive to make sure these things can't happen in the future. That's just kind of where I'm at at this point. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot to wrap your head around. Um, yeah, I don't, it's tough to say the, I, I, I get where you're going with in the sense of, you know, Michigan might get away with little to no punishment, depending on how it all plays out. The evidence released by, or the article that was released tonight by the Washington Post has me uh, trending a little bit away from that. Um, It seems like there's a little bit more smoke now with that. I mean, just because there's a a schedule and a quote-unquote budget conversation, I mean, once again, that could still come from boosters and outside of the organization. So 
yes, it doesn't look it, – it's definitely more detailed than maybe what we thought, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Michigan's uni- – the University of Michigan is funding these things to make it – because to me, honestly, are we that dumb? Is that is that the conversation we want to have that we have, that these rules that are out there, and we just look at them and go, F it? Like, is that, is that seriously where we're at? If that's the case, we deserve everything we get. I feel like we're smarter than that. And like we'll find bending the rules or the loopholes within the system to say, well, we technically didn't break the rules. That's just my opinion on that. Yeah, and you know, it, it's it's really one of two things with Stalians. Did he not know the rule, or yeah, was he just that stupid? Because obviously, he used credit his credit card to purchase these tickets and things like that. So obviously, traceable. Um, and, and yeah, it's tough. And you know. One thing we can talk about as well is, you know, uh, over the last couple of days, we've seen all these videos and pictures of, you know, Stallions working close with these guys, uh, you know, Harbaugh with with Jesse Minter, with uh, Sharon Moore, you know, with the sign stuff. And, you know, just because we see these things happening on the sideline, like, you know, they, they, they like they use his LinkedIn profile against him, for example, where he said he's a master decoder and things like that. Well, if he's good at his job, he can do that on the sideline, which is totally legal, right? So, like, there's a lot of things flying around right now that I don't think are always necessarily mean much to what Michigan's being, you know, accused of and things like that. So, and, you know, even the picture of him with his sheet of signs and stuff like that, that, again, that doesn't really prove much other than... Because, like, these teams get plenty of video on their opponents and things like that. So this, these are things that can be picked up on video as well. You know, are they videos that were, you know, aid? Was he also aided by the videos? These people, you know, that were using uh, Stallion's tickets uh, were, you know, on phones. Well, they found those videos uploaded to the computer drive that they, you know, found that they mentioned the Washington Post today. So obviously they're being used to some extent. And obviously there's some sort of competitive advantage because if there wasn't, Michigan obviously wouldn't do it. Um, so whatever it is, right, it, something's going to happen. What, but like you said, the severity is much in question right now. Does Michigan get a slap on the wrist? They amend rules? Or, you know, is it bigger than that? And that's that's really where we need to continue to wait for more to come out, you know. And the NCAA said they were going to deliver evidence to Michigan this week. You know, obviously this Washington Post article said they have it on, uh, you know, video evidence of certain things. So it's like, right, it's that gray area of, okay, was it Michigan staff? Was it not? Who was funding it? And that's all stuff that we got to kind of find answers to before, one, we can determine what a punishment is. Because this is, you know, there's been past cases of, you know, people obviously, you know, pushing gray areas. You mentioned, you know, the satellite camps with Harbaugh, but like more importantly, um, what was it? Uh, Oklahoma's coach was it, uh, Brent uh, Vabral or how? Rarables. Rarables, yes. You know, yeah. in I think 2020 or 2021, you know, Ohio State accused him of doing funky things um, in the playoffs and stuff like that. I think he ended up getting like a four game suspension or things like that. So, like, there's sign stealing stuff that's happened. There's there's things like that that have happened, but like for. What's all coming together from what we know now? This is kind of a new, new un, uncharted gray area kind of yep, you know no thing. Okay. Oh, no doubt. Yep. No doubt. I agree. Oh yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, to speculate on punishment's tough. Like, obviously we can say, worst case scenario, Harbaugh and the Michigan staff were aware of this. It was funded by the University of Michigan. Um, you know, and that's probably going to lead. Like, if it's if it's that bad where Harbaugh was aware of it, it's funded by the university, we're probably looking at suspensions. We're probably looking at vacated wins dating back to whenever, you know, this started. Um, potential postseason bans, um, whether that's – this year or hey you know this investigation went into the off season okay michigan's banned from the next two postseasons whatever all possible i also think that you know the extreme is probably unlikely at least to what we know at this point now um and you know we talk you know best case scenario stallions is working alone i don't think that's very plausible at this point with some of the information that's come out you know whether Harbaugh knew or not, obviously there's no evidence suggesting that now. He's denied it personally, but he's going to deny it no matter what. He wouldn't come out and say he 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 knew whether he did or not. He's going to fight it. That's really what it comes down to, right, is Michigan's going to have their team of lawyers and things like that. They're going to fight the NCAA. History would tell you when you fight the NCAA, you usually don't end up with a max punishment or anything like that. You know, on the other hand... The NCAA is kind of out to get Harbaugh right now, especially after this past, you know, uh, investigation with the, uh, you know, Cheeseburger Gate recruiting during uh, COVID stuff. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I don't know. Like you said, it's it's a, it's a lot of information. We still need more information to figure out what's going to happen. The two rules that are were broke are really, to me, minimal. Like, hey, okay, you sent. Uh, coaches and staff or whatever to scout future opponents. Okay. It's against the rules. Is it a rule that you need the death penalty for? I'm exaggerating. No, probably not. The reason that rule was put in the place back in 94 was because they were trying to even the odds between big schools and small schools, obviously in 94, you know, smaller schools didn't have the, as big as staff, big uh, as scouting departments, not as much money, couldn't afford to do that. So back in 94, they said, hey, this is probably a competitive advantage for big schools with more money, more staff, things like that. Let's ban them going to games in the same season of future opponents. Okay, well, that's probably a rule that needs to be relooked at, you know, in this day and age with all the video and, you know, things like that, um, you know, more money in these programs and all that, we can probably do with it. Still the rule, though, as it stands, so breaking it, there needs there's going to be consequences, right? And then the gray area of the videoing on, you know, during the games. A lot of people, obviously fans, video a lot during the games. And kind of like you said, it really depends who was doing the videoing for this, right? If we find out that they're just friends or things like that, might not be as big of an issue or punishment or a way the NCAA, the way the rule is written right now, can really punish me. And there's also within that rule, it, it talks about the bounds of the field. So there's a lot of interpretation there. Like bounds of the field to me, when I first heard this was, okay, we're talking about people on the turf, grass, whatever, down in the on the field of play or sidelines, not in the stands, right? So does that rule apply to the stands? problem with rules with interpretation is I guess it depends who's judging on it right so you know there needs to be clear to clarity there I'm sure the rule will be amended with whatever this you know 
concludes being because it needs to be more specific. They need to put in there exactly what they don't want, in my opinion, because it's too vague right now. And like you said, with vague rules, it's really hard to not only rule on, but it's hard to punish to the full extent with a vague rule. So that's a, that's where it's a good you example. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can't, you can't hold people to gentlemen's agreements. Like that's just not how it works. Like, yeah, I, it, it's a good theory, but if it's not in writing verbatim, Hey, you can't do this. And I just ask you not to, because I don't want to work harder to make a more established rules or we haven't you know talked about it in 25 years you know, and it's just, it is what it is. That's not good enough. It's just not in my opinion. Right. And we're in a competitive landscape. These coaches make millions of dollars. You know, everyone's trying to gain an edge and, you know, pause for a second. We can, I've never been one to say Michigan's a stand up clean program. I know that's the identity they like to take. They like to say they are. Well, newsflash for anyone that still believes that they're not, they haven't been. No successful program in Division One football can be a quote-unquote clean program. They're always trying to find an edge somewhere. The saying, you know, the old saying goes, if you're not cheating, you're not trying sort of thing. Everyone's trying to find a competitive edge, just like Harbaugh did in 2016 with the satellite camps. That was a competitive edge he tried to take advantage of. This is the same thing. Again, we don't know right now if Harbaugh knew about it or not. You know, at the end of the day, can you ultimately say whether you knew about it or not, it still falls on him because he's the CEO of the program? Sure. It's a different argument than what we're saying, uh, what we're talking about right now, though. But teams are trying to find a competitive edge. They go through the rule book and they see gray areas. That's the areas they're going to, you know, push and they're going to find out. And, you know, people will argue, well, Michigan can't be the only school doing this. That's fine. You're probably right. But guess what? Michigan's the only school caught doing it right now. So that's really all that matters. It doesn't matter if Georgia's doing it. Georgia hasn't been caught. Georgia's doing it a smarter way if they're doing it. They're not buying tickets with a staffer's credit card with his name and a, a money trail. You know, if they're really trying to get away with something here, you know, Stanley should have been buying, you know, he should have been the guy in front of Penn State Stadium. Uh, I need tickets, uh, any tickets, you know, buying and ca- cash and things like that. Like, there's... Even, but, even, but even in that scenario, Chad, based on the ruling of the of it, if Stalin did end up paying for it out of his salary or credit card, or even if the boosters did, it technically does not violate the rule because the network or is, is not employed by the university, right? So, like, if he, he can buy tickets, and from what I also read somewhere, too, that's, like, he's giving it to ex-Marines or, you know, people in the, in the military, they, he can provide those tickets – Obviously, we're not stupid. He's giving those tickets to those people to then go do what he's done with the recording, right? Like, let's just call it spade a spade. But they're not associated with Michigan. It's like you and I being in that situation, going to the game, holding our phones for four quarters and zooming in on the sideline and then providing that information to Stallion. And what they, what Stallion does with that information at that point in time is, you know, up to his jurisdiction. Yeah, and it's I don't... Not, it, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying there's smarter ways they could have gone about it. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, well, I guess, I guess, would you, what would that be to you? I guess like, just like, not not like paying for tickets and cash. Okay. So now we're getting more, I guess the way that I look at it that way is if we're paying things in cash to not have a quote unquote money trail, is that even more unethical? Well, what I'm saying is if, if there is wrongdoing here, there were smarter ways to go about it. Cause like okay. what I was saying was there's a lot of 
fans that are saying like, oh, we're not the only one who's possibly right. doing this. And what For I'm sure. saying is right, but we're the only ones who've gotten caught. And there's obvious, you know, there's ways that you could do it better if, you know, quote unquote, we're not the only ones doing it. My first suggestion would be not leaving a money trail, right? Cash. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, I, I, I get that. I get that. But yeah, and again, it, we the bottom line is we have to wait and find out where that money is coming from. If if the reporting earlier this week or over the weekend is accurate and the NCAA stays on schedule with what they want to deliver evidence-wise, we should know here sooner than later what exactly they have and if they do have a money trail right now. Because it, it just, the you know, news has just been leaking slowly, right? We get new information every day, every other day, whatever, but we're not, you know, we, we just keep getting puzzle pieces. We're not, we don't have that whole, whole, we don't have all the puzzle pieces yet to complete what's going on. So really until we get to that point, it is, it is what it is. But, you know, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. Really that money trail is going to determine what kind Absolutely. of punishment we're looking at, at is how I'm, you know, reading the room. I must, I will say this too. Put put our Michigan fandom aside for a second and just look at this from an objective point of view. With the way that the rules are written and you know the gray areas that we've already talked about, is it? Would you agree that this is actually a brilliant thing that they came up with to, as a competitive advantage? I like think. They, isn't that kind of like create like a very like schematically like thought out detailed how can we put ourselves ahead of the curve oh, against sure. our opponent i think it's very brilliant i think i think the brilliant thing that's being overlooked is they brought on a military grade decoder like yeah that's fantastic you know and hopefully right it doesn't look like it but hopefully you know he was doing things within the rules of okay he just studied hours of tape he picked up on this this and this during games, he's able to uh, figure out what signals are in that game. Because let's be honest, Michigan had you know signals or not, most teams switch signals up week to week. Like it's, they know teams are watching them on film and things like that, so they can't like keep the same signals for every play. Um, and side and note, I, I agree with Matt Rule that it, yeah. college needs to be less archaic and put mics in the helmet, and we can just avoid things like this. But I digress. Absolutely, absolutely, I think that that that's completely necessary, but. Also, like, a team that's, you know, for example, Ohio State, that obviously we, it sounds like we've been, you know, going to games for that. By that time of the year, there's going to be new formations. There's going to be new plays. There's, like, so it's not, even if, like, you can't actually get everything from a football team by doing this because like you said they can either change things week to week or quite frankly just add stuff so like you can have a baseline sure and clearly had that you know we saw a picture of those sheets of you know what something could potentially mean but at the end of the day most teams are couplefold. a they have boards right or that's either formation or play and then they have three or four guys sometimes players sometimes coaches and sometimes mixed all doing signals and if you're smart in my opinion one series, you say, you know, as you know, they have the different colors, green, red, orange, whatever. Pick your colors, whatever you want to do. One series, you cut green guys live. Next one's red guys live. Like, you change it up because of these type of things. And so it's not just like, oh, Michigan has all these signs. Duh, that they're winning all these games because they know every single play that's coming. That's a bunch of crap 
that's not actually possible to know every single play that's coming every single down. You can have tendencies, and that comes down to film study, which good coaches do. And I think we're, we have a great staff, and having the signs in addition are definitely helpful. But to sit here and say the only reason, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking because I've seen the narrative written and spoken about, that the only reason why Michigan is as dominant as they've been on defense is because they know what's coming every single play. That's not possible. Right. I agree with you. I, you know, like you said, these things get changed. It's impossible. No play for play. Things change over the course of a season. Obviously there's some competitive advantage to it. Like I said, or they wouldn't do it. And you agree with that, but is it game changing? Let's be honest with ourselves. Michigan is a very good football team. They were a very good football team last year. Uh, I mean, for God's sakes, right now they have the Heisman favorite and the national title. They're the odds-on favorite to win the national title right now. We'll get to that more later. But it's it's you know it. Michigan put on themselves though. The fact that you put yourself in this position, you gave your rivals. Let's not sugarcoat it. Michigan's a very hated fan base around the country. You know we have our fans, and then it's us against most people. No one likes Michigan. We've won a lot. We're arrogant. You know I've said it before on the show. There's a lot of Michigan fans that are, quite frankly, a-holes about it, um, you know, about who we are and what we do sort of thing. Um, When you put yourself in that position as a university, you give your rivals, the people that don't like you, fuel to say, well, it's an asterisk. Well, you won all the games this way. Of course they didn't win all the games this way, but they're never going to acknowledge Michigan's a good football team, has a very talented roster. You know, right away, oh, they lost to TCU because they never scouted TCU. Well, guess what? I don't think stealing signs or film study would have helped with running a terrible play call Philly special in the first drive when we should have scored, you know, fumbling the ball at the one yard line, uh, you know, things like that. Like Michigan played a bad game against TCU and they deserve to lose. TCU played a better football, a cleaner football game that day. You don't think we're only beating Illinois 19 to 17 on a last second field goal if, you know, we had every single play they were going to run? Guess what? We knew they were going to hand it off to Chase Brown all game. Chase Brown's a hell of a football player, and he he dominated us that day. And we were lucky to escape with a win. Um, you know, whatever. It's, you know, we're, we're a good football team. Unfortunately, whether it's Stallion, other staff, whatever, put us in this position to where now, yeah, we're going to have to fight this, you know, unless we're totally proven innocent, which completely innocent, probably not going to happen. Um, but unfortunately we're in this position now where it's always going to be the asterisk. It's always going to be like, well, you had the advantage of knowing what plays we we're going to run me and you, a lot of people can probably admit to themselves. We know that's not hundred percent true, but it's unfortunately what we're going to have to deal with now. And that's what sucks about a situation like this specifically for fan base and players, right? This is my last comment on this. And I think we can move on from here. Unless you have more, you'd like to say, I'm going to quote Mr. Primetime Deion Sanders who was asked about this very thing the other day regarding our Michigan allegations. He says, I quote, I mean, everybody's trying to get an edge. Everyone's trying to get an edge wherever they can. You can have someone, you can have someone's whole game plan. They could mail it to you. You still got to stop it. Um, and then he went on to say as well, um, if you, you know, in football, it's not as pronounced as, as baseball, Sanders says, if, 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 if I know a curveball is coming, I got you with football. I don't give a darn if you know sweep is coming. You still got to stop it. Physically, it's a physical game. You've got you've got to stop it. That's a little tough. I don't buy into a lot of that stuff that someone is stealing this or stealing that. 
I agree with this man. Like, it, you could know I, I'm running zone right. It's fourth and two. I'm better than you. I'll tell you right now. Like, there there is an element of that that's true in football. Like, you can you can have their play sheet. You can know it's coming. Like, we're gonna run we're gonna run smash. We're gonna run outside zone. It's coming. Stop it. And some teams can't. Like, you know, for example, look at the Eagles, man. Every fourth and what the frick are they running? Tush push. We all know it's coming. No one stopping. It. It's a ninety something percent conversion rate. Like. So there, there's there, there's an element that's getting overblown. It's important that you know we, we stay within the rules. I get that, but at the end of the day, it's it comes down to Jimmy's and Joe's of physicality. So I, I I appreciate prime time and his opinion on that matter. No, I agree with him too, and I agree. You know, there's a couple coaches have come out and you know said or hinted at similar things. Um, and I mean he's he's obviously right to a point. But at the same point, again, you know if there was no particular competitive advantage, you know, obviously Michigan wouldn't have done this. So it's, there's a middle ground, right? Like, oh, no. Obviously. Um, but I, and I, I feel like, you know, bigger picture, you know, some of these coaches say that cause they probably have a little bit of a system of their own of how they're going about things. And it's like, well, you know, if you're doing something wrong, are you really going to throw someone else doing something similar under the bus sort of thing? Um, you know, maybe not, I'm not saying prime's cheating or anything, but like I said, you know, or, you know, people have been saying, saying all, all, all week since it's come out, Oh, they can't be the only ones doing it. I agree. You're probably right. Unfortunately, we're the team that got caught so far. So, um, that's really all I have on it right now, though. I mean, I feel like we've really talked through it pretty good. Um, we've shared all the uh, information we have through, you know, nine, nine o'clock on, you know, Wednesday, the 25th of October. Um, well, the last thing I want to get your opinion about on this and then we can move on. You know, I've heard some discussions, and it, again, it's not nothing prominent of like, oh, you know, big name reporter said this and reported this. It's more of a discussion that has come up because it can, you know, the Big Ten and slash and or the playoff committee doesn't exactly have to wait on what the NCAA does. Does the Big Ten or playoff committee, I think it would be, very far-fetched for them to make any predetermined um, uh, rulings or, or punishments, I guess, per se, like the Big Ten punishing Michigan or something like that, prior to the NCAA coming out with something. Um, but is this something the playoff committee could, you know, as more information comes out, let's say, you know, three weeks from now, all the information's out, you know, Michigan, you know, to some extent allegedly was doing or was, you know, doing this. Does the playoff committee drop Michigan out from the top four? Like, is that it's possible? Do they do it? I don't know. I would let the season play out unless there's something wild or insane. I would let the season play out, then you just go back and vacate the win if that's what ends up being. But the Big Ten and playoff committee is a committee or, you know, entities of their own separate from the NCAA. They technically can, you know, do things outside of what the NCAA does. And it's been a talking point the last couple of days. So that's why I just wanted to. Bring it up. Yeah, I, I've seen that too. It is an interesting thought, but my, my brain goes to, is it the college football committee's job to play the moral police or is it to, or is it to view the talent that's on the football field and the teams that are playing and rate them accordingly? And I feel the same way. Like that's, that would be my response too. I don't like, think it's as, as, their as, job to as play. As soon as we get philosophical, as soon as we get philosophical and not about what they're about, 
and start putting your opinions on all oh, you think Michigan should be treated this way because and they, and they you know assuming they didn't get handled or you know banned from postseason play or whatever it is. Now we're now we're playing moral police. That that's not why you're there. You're there to rate football teams that the best top four in the country that deserve to have a chance at a national championship, and that's all your job is. Stay in your lane. Yeah, it would be quite outlandish for uh, a ruling or something like that to happen. Like that's just you, and even usually the NCAA doesn't mess with uh, a team that has a championship opportunity. You know, again, unless it's something damning evidence-wise, right? Like. They'll let it play out, and again, if they have to go back two years from now, you know, unfortunately, we're vacating Michigan's 2023 and 2022 season. So, yeah, they won the national championship, but their asterisks and didn't actually win, you know, in the record book, didn't win it sort of thing. So, but one thing yeah, I, I mean, would say. On a smaller, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was on a smaller scale, too, like, you know, a story that comes to mind is Reggie Bush, right? You know, he, had, he won his Heisman, and then years later, they revoked it from him, right? So, like, to your point, they probably won't have it this year. Really, could it be something four or five, six years from now that the you know, something comes to light and they decide to change that, and then you know those get vacated? I think that's more likely. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say one last thing, more of a message to Michigan fans: enjoy the ride. Right? These games still happen. Like you know, we both talked about that. Even if they gained a competitive advantage of doing this, you know, alleged network and sign stealing. You know, Michigan still had to go out, play the football games. They were still a damn good team in 2021, 2022, and this year in 2023. Great news is, is this year, obviously this network, whether they have it or not, you know, yet to be proven. If if it is true, well, guess what? It's not running now. You know, Michigan has what they have, I guess. But, you know, these games moving forward are going to be legit, right? Like, they're not going to be if if this network worked as it's being reported or you know rumored to have been of you know we scouted these guys up until their game against us sort of thing. Well, that's not going to be the case anymore. So these wins against Penn State, you know Ohio State, if you're able to win these games, are going to be legit wins as well as moving into the playoffs and winning this Natty. Of course, again, it can be vacated because you know alleged cheating this season. But just enjoy the ride, right? You win the national championship. That's still very hard to do. Obviously, Michigan hasn't won it outright since 1948, I believe. You know, obviously they shared the national title in 97 with Nebraska. But, you know, these are hard things to do. We've seen it in the playoffs the last two years. We got our butt kicked by Georgia in 21. We got our, you know, unfortunately, dogfight with TSU. Uh, we've shot ourselves more in the foot. But again, these are hard wins to come by. So, Michigan gets it done. Just enjoy the ride as a fan, right? You know, rivals are going to talk. They're going to take whatever you can. We can relate how many Mel Tucker jokes have the Michigan fan base made and things like that. We're quick to jump on people too. You know, just how college football works, right? Well, you know, we have no problem telling other people their laundry's dirty, but guess what? You kind of got to own it and go with it when it's yours, right? Yeah, it sucks. Michigan might have cheated. Guess what? If you still go in the national championship, even if it gets vacated three years from now, you still have the memories. You still had fun during the season while they won it. And, you know, whatever. they, You know, NCAA has vacated things all, you know, in a lot of sports. You know, from other scandals, cheating, whatever. 
Those fan bases don't care, and most people in general don't care. Yeah, of course MSU and OSU fans, if it gets vacated, you can say 30 years from now, oh, but that has an asterisk. They they didn't actually win it because they cheated. Well, guess what? Most people are still going to look at it as, you know, Michigan won the national championship that year, if Michigan's able to complete their story and obviously do that this year. But whether they do or not, enjoy the ride. The season's still happening. It's still a special season. It's one of, if not the most talented Michigan football team we've had in 30 years you know, at least just enjoy the ride. It's, it's fun. Enjoy it. Let, let the background noise be the background noise. We'll see evidence as they come out. Obviously this podcast, me and Jordan will stay on top of it. You know, as news comes out, obviously we'll share in our, you know, up future episodes. Um, but our, our message would just be enjoy the ride because whatever, whatever comes out of this, the season is still happening and all, all the goals for this football team is still in front of them. Could not have said it any better myself, my friend. All right. With that said, let's move to some fun, normal business. Um, we can quickly uh, talk about the MSU game. And, you know, obviously we hit it a little bit at the front of the or top of the episode. Um, but obviously Michigan moved to eight and zero with a forty nine nothing victory over Michigan State. Um, it, <laughs> it was. Really- Really nothing that can be said, but that was just straight domination, and we talked about it a little bit. But McCarthy was perfect. I mean, he was 21 for 27, 287 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. My man was threading needles. He was confident. I, I He's almost better on the road than he is at home, it feels like. Like, when he goes on the road, which is good news for when we play Penn State in a couple weeks, he just has a different uh, mentality about him. It's a, like, I'm going to be this assassin of a quarterback, you know, these throws, there's just so much confidence, right? And he, he just plays, he played such a, a great game. He really did. I arguably Chad, I, 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 there were about four or five throws that I can recall that were just absolutely disgusting. just one over close to Loveland back shoulder. Then he had the one right, right between the linebackers eyes, basically that Colson caught like, he that might have been his most complete, like consistent top notch throw game that I can recall in the last maybe year or so. I mean, he had some big time throws, you know. I you can say the Ohio State game, but reality was those dudes are wide open. I'm talking tight window on online darts that he was throwing. Um, I felt like we we're top deer. So, I, and I think you and I both agree, you know, as of right now, based on. The collapse of Caleb Williams and USC. Michael Penix had a bad game throwing four interceptions against Arizona State. Though his stats aren't as sexy as some of these other guys, to me right now, JJ's got to be the front runner for the Heisman. And we can talk about it. It's on the show sheet. He is the odds-on favorite right now to win the Heisman. And the big, you know, big reason being, one, great performance, obviously, against Michigan State. But two, Penix, right, like you said, had an awful game against the one-win Arizona State team, nearly lost. Washington didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game. Uh, late pick six got them the lead um, uh, in the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, Penix just looked off. You know, we talked about last week. I, I, I brought it up as a game where, you know, hey, this game's going to be closer than people think. I mean, that's a huge high coming off that Oregon win. You know, obviously, even, you know, in the way they won that game, uh, coming back, being able to score late to take the lead. Um, I didn't think it was going to be that ugly. You know, I thought it'd be close. And then maybe, you know, Washington goes on to win by like 14 or 17 points. Well, that, that was ugly, but you know, JJ is gonna, you know, he's the odds on favorite right now. Obviously it could change. We're still, you know, only eight weeks, nine weeks in, whatever it is. And the big things will be 
how does how does McCarthy perform against Penn State and Ohio State? Because those will be the games that either win or lose him the Heisman. If you know McCarthy goes into Penn State, whether Michigan wins or loses, but he you know oh you know McCarthy was sixteen for uh, you know thirty with you know uh, two hundred and one yards, uh, a touchdown, and two interceptions. You know yeah, that's going to be a stat line that drops you you know from the the leading candidate in the Heisman race. So. You know, a lot of work to be done by uh, J.J. I think he's still got the right mentality. You know, he was asked about it earlier this week. He said, you know, all I care about is championships, the personal awards, you know, don't really mean much. I'm sure, you know, a little bit of him was, you know, coaches speak per se. I'm sure he would love to win the award, but he would love to win that award on based on the success of the overall team, right? So not so much of, oh, you know, I don't, I don't care what happens as long as I win this award. I think he wants to win the award because they had such a great season sort of thing rather than the, the inverse. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, something that I'm glad we're just not having to deal with was we were still wondering this time last year and for another, another few weeks, if JJ could hit a deep ball, like yeah, this no. quarterback has come a long way, you know, in one year, as yeah, far as he's flying up NFL consistent. draft boards, if you're paying attention he to is. some of the early draft stuff again, early, and again, mm-hmm. I know Michigan's opponents so far have not been the best, but there's, you know, it's it's not always about the opponent. Body Obviously, we want to see the test, but things he's doing and the mechanics and ceiling he has from the just the the attributes he has as a quarterback is exciting alone. And we know the NFL a lot of time drafts on attributes and ceiling rather than you know, oh, what did you show me? Cons- you know, throughout college, you got to show some, but you know, we've seen some pretty raw prospects taken. Some have worked out, some haven't, but that's what the NFL does. They obviously they want the highest ceiling player possible if they can get them. No doubt, I think a great example of that, unfortunately, got hurt is Anthony Richardson, right? Absolutely, the tangibles are through the roof. You want everything you want a quarterback six five, two forty, run swell, freaking freight train. You know, he's just got to learn how to read defenses more, but he has every reason he can be successful. Well, and another one's Josh Allen. I mean, Wyoming, exactly. smaller school, no D1 offers initially, you know, and obviously one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And quite frankly, you know, top three in, you know, physical attributes of what he can do, arm talent, you know, big athlete, obviously runs well. So um, that's kind of what I'm getting at with that. One thing I wanted to visit, well, we can start one more positive thing since we're on the terms of passing. A.J. Barner and Colson Loveland, tight end, you have a day. Eight catches for 99 yards and a touchdown for Barner. Loveland, four, four catches for 79 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, man, those guys were on fire in this game. And it wasn't even – it's not like they were just burning people. They made some nice contested catches. Obviously, you know, J.J. did his part in placing those throws pretty nicely. Um, but, man, I, I, I love seeing both tight ends get involved like that in the same game. That's that's what makes Michigan dangerous right there is when you have two big bodies like that work in the middle of the field, and then you got your guys like, uh, you know, Wilson, Johnson on the outside, getting Edwards involved a little bit in the passing game. Uh, even Corm got involved a little bit. That's when Michigan's at its best. Absolutely. I think, you know, that that's kind of what sets us apart from a lot of the teams right now. I mean, we, we really choose, are, are, are kind of built old-fashioned still a little bit, man, having perennial tight ends that can stretch the field and make big, you know, contested catches. I think, you know, I love when we go our our trips, you know, t- big, big, big tight end looks with, you know, Colson either at the number one or, or, or number two or number three spot with A.J. Barner there too, just really – 
who are you going to put on him? You want to put a linebacker on him? Great. He's probably faster than a linebacker. You want to put a safety on him? Great. He's probably, you know, he might be a little quicker, but he's going to be bigger than you and body you up. So, like, it really does create such a mismatch out there. And not only that, too, like, if you go heavy like that, then you can swing out Donovan Edwards, and now you got two freaking 6'6", 240-pound dudes blocking on the perimeter on little bitty corners and safety. So, like, it really does allow you to do so many things offensively, and I think they're doing a great job of utilizing uh, all their skill sets. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, lastly, I just mean the running game is going to grind, but it's just it's not flashy anymore, and I don't know if that's going to hurt us later on against some better opponents or what, but I'm not going to say something looks off. It's just it's just different. It's it, it's a grind, like Corum 15 carries for 59 yards. You know, Michigan State did pretty well, and, you know, their game plan, I'm sure, was let's take away the run and make them pass. But still, you know, for years, teams know, especially under Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, his regime here, uh, Michigan's going to pound the rock. And, you know, Michigan was still able to have big, sexy yardage games. And, you know, I get Michigan's a little more balanced this year. McCarthy was having a great game passing the ball. But, you know, Corm still had 15 carries, so they were making a conservative effort to try and run the ball. And just not a lot of room. He had one long one for 17, but outside of that, it felt like a lot of – one, two, three-yard gains and, you know, a cloud of dust sort of thing. So not awful, but a 3.9 average, lower than we're used to seeing for Corum um, and just the run game in general. Um, you know, averages across the board for everyone who got carries was not not very good. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we I think we didn't understand the value of Ulo Timmy last year, uh, going from him to Mike Nugent. Mike Nugent's very serviceable, don't get me wrong, but that's definitely a step backwards and their talent level. Um, and I think our tackles too are not, they're not like top five, you know, but they're very good, but our guards are great. I think we're still getting great interior push, but I mean, you look at our stats, uh, we were 35 passes between all quarterbacks and we were 34 runs. So like, you know, we really were extremely balanced, um, you know, and I think that's just our approach this year. We're not going to, have our, you know, so I think there was a couple of games last year. I'd have to go back and look. I thought we we're close to like 50 rush attempts. You know, like we're really, you know, 50 rushes, 20 passes or something like that. So we really are trying to be extremely balanced to, you know, make defenses either. What do you want to do? You want to collapse the box? Fine. We'll throw. You want to try to take or passing him? Great. We'll run. So it's, it's, it really is when you have a balanced approach, I think it's the best way to go because you can't, a defense can't be right. Right. And two more quick things. Alex Orgy, we finally got to see him. He scored a rushing touchdown. <laughs> yeah. We were all excited. Obviously, potential that he is, you know, if McCarthy moves on, uh, Alex Orgy potentially could be the starting quarterback next year. Um, so just good to see him get some time, especially because he was hyped up a lot this offseason and has been dealing with some injuries, hasn't played much so far, so it was good to see him get in there. And then lastly, shout out to our boy Jaden McBurrows, um, after the tunnel incident last year where he got his nose busted up, uh, he was able to get a late interception to preserve the goose egg on the scoreboard for the defense. So shout out to him. Um, and obviously, you can, we can throw Mikey in there too, Santa still, for getting the pick six on which I will say, I do think he stepped out. Thank God there was no camera angle right down that sideline. So. I do think he did too. <laughs> I don't know why he stepped out. He caught the ball well in bounds and like just kept going towards the sideline. I'm like, dude, what are we doing? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, good showing overall. So, uh, moving on, you know, season, Michigan, 8-0, moving towards that path to the playoffs. Obviously, 
I'm going to say Michigan, you know, obviously two formidable opponents left in Penn State on the road, Ohio State at home. Um, but I'm going to give Maryland some credit too. Uh, they're not a team you want to sleep on, not particularly. A lot like Illinois last year, which concerned me as a sleeper team, or that, you know, game, uh, upset game against uh, before the Ohio State game. You know, Maryland, I believe it's on the road. Um the week before Ohio State, that's not a game that I'm particularly <laughs> a fan of either going into that because, you know, Michigan's prepping for Ohio State. That's how it works, um, you know, while prepping for Maryland. Um, but Maryland, you know, they can sling the ball. They have a, an explosive offense at times. Uh, so I'm going to say, you know, 8-0, obviously the goal is 12-0. Four games left, home against Purdue. That'll be, that should be an easy win. I don't want to say easy. It should be a, a, a big win. And then at Penn State's going to be tough. At Maryland's going to be tough. And then home against Ohio State, obviously, the game is always a, a tough one. So uh, Michigan's last three weeks, man, I mean, they're going to have to work for this if they're going to finish 12-0. Uh, and 0. No, absolutely. I mean, I, with their, their approach, they need to keep it. One game at a time, business trips, and just you know continue to make each game a championship-level caliber game. And that's what they're – focuses you know you hear it from our quarterback you hear it from our staff a lot of our other players that you know they're all they all have one vision one goal so one game at a time get to done against purdue go on the road beat penn state like you said maryland definitely is probably the trap game left and then all the marbles probably for Ohio state so we talked about a little bit earlier odds makers uh would agree that michigan can do it because michigan uh, over the weekend after Saturday's games uh, became the odds-on favorite in sports books to win the national title. Um, and it's it's awesome. I'm kind of surprised by it, just given the timing. Uh, not that Michigan's not a good football team, um, but Michigan, of some of the top football teams, is probably one of the least proven in a sense of, you know, who have we seen them play, which obviously uh, odds makers like to base a lot of their you know things on you know it's a part of their formula anyway um but i'm gonna like not that michigan doesn't deserve it they were second before this um but i think a big reason not only has michigan looked good um but i think that brock bowers injury of him probably missing the rest of the season for georgia obviously being their big uh main offensive weapon i think that played a big role in these odds shifting too what, what do you say to that I, I would agree. I mean, you can't really play. You and I are talking. You really can't replace a production or just a football player in Brock Bowers. I mean, he really, you know, we've talked about the Heisman being a sexy award, but if it truly was about just football and foot, the impact of a football player, Brock Bowers identifies that and, and would he's be. He's going to be a player. top five pick next year. I guarantee. He, he, oh, ab- absolutely. He he's an absolute freak. So it, it, it's a shame that he went down. Uh, you know, and you know, I, I wish him the, you know quick recovery, and you know he can get back to what he what he's capable of playing. Um, you know, if you really look at it too from a schedule perspective, you know, I I would say you know if you're looking at Georgia's schedule, I would put Florida kind of as their Penn State game. You know, they're at Florida this upcoming Florida's weekend. Not, I mean, they're better than I thought they'd be, especially with Murphy quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then I would say they're, you know, Missouri's playing at a high level. I would, uh, Ole Miss to me is kind of uh, the 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 Ohio State game as far as being a top 12 opponent at this point, and the Tennessee is maybe like Maryland. So if they have, like, those games left on their calendar, and if they don't take it seriously, they could, you know, fall, fall short. So 
it'll be interesting to see. I I, th- I still think Georgia, you know, is going to figure it out. I think I, I think Kirby Smart's done an, an excellent job uh, with his staff and what they're doing, especially literally losing a coordinator too. That's another thing people don't realize. They lost a coordinator last year to the NFL, so it's not easy just to put a new guy in there and still have great production, and they're still doing that. No, I mean they're the two-time reigning champion right now, and you know, you know, I know Michigan's out on favorite now, but you know, you have to you have to unseat the champion, right? So until further notice, I mean, I, I still got to give Georgia that slight edge in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean they're a good team. Obviously, they're still they still will most likely make the playoffs, and they'll still be a force to be reckoned with with Bowers or not. And you know, if you're a Michigan fan, you can kind of relate it to Blake Corum's injury last year. You know. You can argue Brock Bowers might be more explosive or you know mean more to that Georgia team, but we know Blake Corm was the heart and soul and binding of that team last year. And losing him, you could tell Michigan kind of became a different team. You know, they tried to do what they wanted to do and they were able to do it, you know, Dobbin Edwards showed up big against Ohio State, you know, without those two explosive runs, that game's a lot closer. Uh, you know, does it end differently? We'll never know, obviously. Um, he, you know, he's good against Purdue in the big 10 championship, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but even in that TCU game, you know, things changed. Michigan approached things differently. Obviously the fumble at the one yard line, handing off the Mullins, you know, that's usually a Blake Corm carry. It wasn't. And it cost us seven points on that drive. You know, those seven points obviously would have been big in the final score. Um, so these, these injuries do, you know, obviously Georgia has a little more time to figure it out with the Bowers, you know, given the time he's out or, you know injured now um but you know it's just star players they they mean a lot obviously and we'll see how georgia adjusts um i'd count on them to get it right but we'll we'll see what happens yeah i i i think it's in a, i've heard it a couple of times too from i think i heard kurt i've heard Shoup say it i've heard uh you know a couple guys in espn and i just flipping through but this is kind of one of the most uh balanced uh, seasons where there's not really a clear cut. Yeah, they're winning the national championship. It's not even close situation. Uh, you know, there's really a few teams that could pull away with it. And I, you know, for me, I like I like that brand of college football. You know, having truly an opportunity to maybe see six teams that could end up winning this thing compared to well, it's going to be Georgia or it's going to be Bama in history's past or Clemson, right? So it's it's just a good change of pace. No doubt. I totally agree. All right. To kind of wrap things up, uh, get into our last segment here. Uh, just a quick recap because these were big games. We already touched Arizona State and Washington during our Heisman talk. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State, your quick thoughts on this one. James Franklin doing James Franklin things, bro. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, so we uh, we kind of both knew at some point that, that Franklin was going to Franklin and uh, you know, his team wasn't prepared. Uh, I mean, you can't be one of 26 on third down and expect to win a football game. Drew Aller looked all over the place. Some of it was him, some of it wasn't. Yeah, one of 16. Put him yeah. in. Oh, excuse me, what did I say, 26? Yeah. One, yeah, one, one of 16, sorry. Um, not really, you know, it can't be on the kid, you know, play calling, putting them in bad spots, third and long all game. Like, you, you, it, it's it's just not a play, way of being success. Kudos to... Ohio State, you know, they, they, they played great defense uh, and held them. Uh, I, I, all that to say, Ohio State looks extremely beatable, too. So uh, neither one of those teams, I walked away from saying, holy crap, they're, you know, they're studs. 
Yeah, I mean, my my thoughts kind of remain the same. Uh, Penn State, a little bit fraudulent. That defense is still very good. They did a great job in that game. Um, you know, like I said, Penn State, or like you said, Penn State's offense was one for 16 on third down. They didn't even convert that third, their singular third down until the final garbage drive when they were down by multiple scores. So, um, you know, it, it was a rough day for them. I give the defense credit for constantly hanging in there um, and, and trying to give their offense a chance. Uh, and I agree with your statement. Aller, he doesn't look like he's it, but I also agree that the game plan. Uh, you know, they didn't go to his strengths, which to me, you know, getting him moving, throwing on the run and things like that, and they just really didn't do that. Ohio State's defense played very well. I do think it's better than last year's. Um, but with that said, I do still think they're beatable. I don't think Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball well against Michigan, you know, you know, speaking in terms of going into that game. Um, but obviously Michigan's going to have, have its handfuls with those receivers. Um, you know, I like that we have Will Johnson to match on Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a stud. He's going to be a top 10 receiver when he goes into the NFL next year as a rookie probably. He's he's, he's He is awesome. Um, but I'd like to think Will Johnson's going to win some of his battles. And, and Marvin Harrison will definitely win some of his. He's going to get his too. But I think Will Johnson can help um, where, you know, Michigan can focus resources elsewhere. And Kyle McCord, I'm going to continue to say it, especially in the big game or, the you know, the, the big opponents they've had this year with Notre Dame and now Penn State. He throws a lot of interceptable passes. And if Michigan, unlike Notre Dame and Penn State, if Michigan can catch those interceptions, take advantage of when he puts that ball in danger, um, I, I think that that would be huge, um, you know, in Michigan getting a third consecutive victory against Ohio State because uh, Notre Dame's defense couldn't take advantage of it. And, you know, if you keep giving a guy chances or team chances, Eventually, they're going to cash in, and you know that's kind of what Ohio State's done. McCord's a good player. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback by any means, um, but he's definitely not a, a C.J. Stroud or a Justin Fields. Like he, he makes mistakes, and it's up to Michigan's defense to take advantage of him. Uh, Utah USC. Uh, I wasn't really surprised by this. Uh, Utah's defense and Utah in general has had USC's number, but obviously, we're seeing. What happens, even if you have a Heisman-type player, well, actually, we'll say a Heisman player because he won last year, on your roster, uh, you still have to be confident on both sides of the ball. And, man, USC does not have a defense. I really don't understand it, Chad. Like, Can't be recruiting because they have no problem recruiting. I said the same thing about Michigan years ago before Harbaugh. Like, how, how do we not have a solid defense or, you know, solid players? Like, this is the University of Michigan, for God's sakes, as Brady Hoke would say. <laughs> No, it really is just like, at the end of the day, I mean, it comes down to coaching, right? Clearly, we know Lincoln Riley as an offensive mind, one of the best to do it, right? You know, he said they've had a couple bad games. You know, Notre Dame, they got beat up pretty good, um, you know. But the fact is, I, I you line up most offenses against defense, I feel like, and they can run the football. Like, any team they play against, I feel like they can't stop the run worth anything. And at, at some point... It's schematics, and it's got to be these, and it's got to be these coaches. So if Lincoln Riley, I guess, wants to get serious, and coming into the Big Ten, where we know we run the football in Big Ten football, baby, like we, that's 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 the brand. Uh, you better revamp that defense and go get you some defense, and go get you a defensive staff and some players because you're otherwise you will be irrelevant for a long time. You might win your nine eight games, you know, be be around, but you're not going to be competing for championships. Yeah, and I 
never thought I'd say it, but I kind of feel bad for Caleb Williams just because you can tell he's trying to do it all on his own now. Like, he feels like he has to make every play because he knows if he doesn't score on a drive, the defense is probably giving up a score the other way. So, like, you can tell it's impacting his play, you know. You know, obviously he's had more interceptions and touchdowns the last two games um, against Notre Dame and now Utah. It, it's it's you can see it's wearing on him, and you can see he he's now trying to do too much, which takes away from you know what won him the Heisman a year ago, uh, his spectacular play style and you know good decision making things like that, uh, kind of changing right now because he feels like he has to do it all. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to pull up the stats I, I, from this year to last year. I, I I really I haven't done a deep dive into USC, but I have a hard time believing that they're not either the same or worse defensively this year than they were last year. Like, I feel like it's, 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 and cause Caleb was playing at a high level, you know, and they they got exposed later in the year. They got exposed early this year. Um, And, you know, now they're not going to win. There's no way they win the PAC 12 in my opinion. Um, They're not, obviously they're done with the whole, they're they're not in the playoff conversation with two losses moving forward. So it's going to be, and what kid? And at this point, what kid Williams is going to show up? Right? Is he is he going to give it his best? Because just for the sake of USC's program, he could. But like you know, he's not playing for a championship anymore, or at least a national championship. So, what type of Caleb is going to be interesting to see moving forward? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, moving on to games this week, there's a few. Obviously, Michigan's on a bye week. That's why we're not previewing any games in this episode. This will be the only episode this week, um, unless there's some groundbreaking stuff in the 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 uh, you know. Stein stealing scandal, whatever. Uh, but games to watch this week uh, while Michigan's on a bye. Uh, the best one on the, the the table will stay in the Pac-12, number eight Oregon at number thirteen Utah. Um, obviously, both of these teams are six and one, uh, three and one in their conference. Um, and really, this game is to stay alive in that race. Uh, Washington still undefeated, undefeated despite almost losing or you know their tough game with Arizona State. Oregon Utah. Whoever wins this game is still going to have a shot to uh, maybe unthrown Washington in the Pac-12 title game. Utah might play them still uh, later in the regular season. I don't have their schedule up in front of me. Um, but regardless, you know, you fall the two losses, you're definitely out of the playoff race, and you're losing ground in you know being able to get to that Pac-12 championship game. This should be a fun one to watch. We got an explosive offense in Oregon going on the road to uh, one of the best defenses in the country in Utah. Yeah, I think uh, Oregon wins this game. I don't know if you saw the Utah announced, I believe, a couple of days ago that Cameron Rising will not be playing this year. Um, so uh, that's unfortunate for the kid. Uh, I think he's a great football player. I hope he recovers well, and whether he comes back or not is to be determined. Um, but uh, I just think Oregon's offense is a little bit too much for Utah to handle over the course of four quarters. I think, uh, you know, you know they do have a great defense, but if you can't – you know, can't score enough points, you get stops, which I think Oregon is actually playing the best defense they've had over the last few years. I'm not saying it's at an elite level, but it's better than what it's been. I have Oregon winning this one for sure. I think Oregon gets the win too. I think it'll be a gritty game, but I do think Oregon gets it done in the end. Uh, really quick, number three, Ohio State travels to Wisconsin. Um, same kind of thing, uh, not as big as the Washington-Oregon game, but obviously so Ohio State-Penn Penn State game was kind of – Phase one for the Big Ten Championship, or East representative, I guess I should say. Um, You know, a little bit of a letdown spot here. You know, uh, big emotional win over Penn State, now traveling on the road to Wisconsin. Definitely think Ohio State wins this game. Uh, But again, I could see Wisconsin, 
you know, in Madison, still a tough place to play despite Wisconsin not being the best team in the last few years, uh, not the usual Wisconsin we're used to. Um, I still think Wisconsin kind of keeps this close for a while. Ohio State eventually pulls away at the end, but this could be a game worth turning tuning into for a little bit anyway. You know, I, I, you literally took the words out of my mouth. I think it's it's not going to be a game where it's over in the third quarter. I think it might be you know early fourth, midway through the fourth, where Ohio State kind of pulls away. But if uh, Ohio State's not careful and they give up some you know turnovers and give Mordecai and their new offense uh, shorter fields, because uh, I, I do think uh, Braylon Allen's a pretty good running back. He's, He's one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Yeah, so you you let him get going, and you know can Ohio State stop the run? Consistently for four quarters, it could get interesting. I mean, I, I'm not going to say Luke will have a little bit of an extra chip just because he's yeah. originally from Ohio State. So no doubt. So it, this this to me out of the games we've talked about, this would be the one that puts it on upset alert for me. For sure. And then lastly, number one Georgia travels to Florida. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, you know, Florida's five and two uh, again, similar to Wisconsin. The swamp is you know a tough place to play, another tough road venue. Um, you know, do I think Georgia wins this game? Absolutely. They're the more talented team. Uh, but again, a game that could be a little closer just based on environment and, uh, you know, Florida, they're, they're coming together. You know, I did not think they'd be a very good football team this year. A lot of that was the Graham Mertz situation for those who've listened to this podcast. I'm not a big Graham Mertz fan. I thought he was off at Wisconsin, but you know, he's found something in Florida. He's playing serviceable football at the, to say the least, uh, they're getting the most out of the kid, and we're kind of seeing what he was supposed to be uh, when he got, you know, when he originally went to Wisconsin. So, do I think this is a little bit closer than it probably uh, should be? Yes, I still think Georgia gets the win here, though. Did you know Georgia's top five in passing yards? I did not know they were top five. Isn't that kind of shocking that they're top five? That 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 kind of tells you a, a shift in approach with them. You know, they were kind of a bruiser last year. Now they're kind of they're kind of chucking that thing, uh, but uh, hey, well, they I know think Michigan's the doing of, it too, so they have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think uh, Georgia gets this game. Um, I I I I do think Merch is playing at a you know higher level than we did last year, but I I just don't think they have the firepower to uh, keep up with Georgia for four quarters. Yep. And then lastly, Washington uh, heads to Stanford, and you know, with Michigan on a bye week, it would not surprise me after the dud last week if Penix came out and threw for seven touchdowns, no picks, 450 <laughs> yards, and reclaims his uh, spot at the uh, <laughs> the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. So, uh, oh yeah, he mad. He he's mad not going to be a happy sure. camper after that last performance. So, no, yeah, I I feel bad. I feel bad for what's. Uh... What that's what they got to deal with. That's going to be ugly for them. That's uh, in Stanford. Yeah, yeah. I and listen. Uh, of course, I would love to see McCarthy win it. But man, I've I've been saying it all year. I really think Michael Penix could get that award. Um, and he's he's a heck, heck of a quarterback, man. Uh, you know, especially being a lefty too. But you know, he's gone through a lot of adversity throughout his career. You know, a lot injuries at Indiana. Uh, transfers out to Washington, and you know he's just been a stud for them since he's gotten there. So uh, I like that kid a lot. And you know, if if McCarthy's not going to win it, I really would like to see Penix win that award. So I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. A little bit of a longer one, but obviously we had a lot to talk about there. So 
Um, remember, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts by searching the Victors-Michigan Podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe to Between the Whistle Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, you know, if you like it, like, like the episode, like the content we're providing, you know, we'd appreciate if you uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, if you haven't, uh, just helps us build this thing out. And, uh, you know, we appreciate tuning in and again. Um, you know, more importantly, we'll have our next episode previewing the upcoming game against Purdue after this weekend. Obviously, again, Michigan on the bye. Um, and, you know, obviously we will fill in any more details and things that come out of the uh, illegal scouting slash sign stealing uh, investigation that's going on. Uh, alleged, alleged sign stealing and stuff like that investigation that's going on. So we'll keep you guys up to date. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Go Blue. Go Blue.